We believe in functional mental wellness, a holistic approach to mental health. We know that there's hope for those of us who have experienced trauma, even profound trauma, and that's why we created the Universe Is Your Therapist podcast. We believe whether you call it God, the universe, source, unity, or love, that there is something much greater than us that conspires for our good. We envision a world of healing and connection, and we teach you simple but powerful practices that integrate your mind, body, and spirit so that you can come home to your highest self and your truest identity. You are not broken, you are loved, and you can heal. My name is Amy Hoyt, and together with my sister, Lena, we will take you on a journey of healing and self-discovery. Hi, welcome back. We are going to be talking about drinking today and whether we have a drinking problem I think there's a big gap between I'm an alcoholic and do I have a drinking problem? So we're going to look at alcohol and if that's a way that we're numbing out or if it's a social activity, just kind of answer your questions about alcohol and drinking. So let's start out with thinking about how we've typically defined a drinking problem in our society. And I would say pre-pandemic that it was you were either an alcoholic or you weren't. And that's a lot in the public discourse. And the, the pattern that I've noticed in the last two years is a lot of people, um, especially women, wondering if they're over drinking because of the time of loan, uh, loneliness, disconnection, stress, etc. And so we thought this would be a great way to get clear on what are the signs of being an alcoholic. And then what are some of the signs of over drinking and some of the costs of over drinking? I love it. It's, it's such a timely topic. And I love the distinction between what, how we viewed things before the pandemic and how we've seen things since the pandemic has occurred. And drinking is a really easy way to relax. I mean, it always has been in our culture and the pandemic um, and the isolation, the fear, the anxiety, that type of thing has been very stressful. So it's not at all surprising that the use of alcohol or the consumption of alcohol has increased. Absolutely. And it has increased. Yes. Um, so that's another important detail. <laughs> we have an increase in alcohol consumption. And, you know, I think it is telling that globally access to liquor was considered um, essential. Um, whereas, Interesting. you know, access to other... Uh, activities or I don't want to say food. I mean food was considered essential but it's interesting that alcohol and and liquor stores at least in the United States were considered an essential business um, whereas gyms were not for instance and so that does that's another indication of kind of the value of um, coping in ways that you know, may not be as adaptive as a community or as a nation or as a world. <laughs> so, <laughs> let's be real. It's hard. And it's everywhere. Hardness. 
difficulty is everywhere. Yes. And I think the pandemic just kind of up the ante. I've never gotten so many messages in my adult life of how do I know if I have a drinking problem? And I've always been very transparent that I'm sober and in recovery. Um, and so it was telling to me that more than ever, I've been getting a lot of people asking me if they have a problem. So we thought we'd start out with looking at Alcoholics Anonymous and how they let people determine if they have an alcohol problem. Cause that will be our one side of the spectrum that this, these questions are going to let you know if you have a full blown addiction to alcohol. And then I'd like to talk about, um, what does a drinking problem look like if you're not an alcoholic and what, what do we want to do about it? If anything, um, we are all about noticing without judgment, but also accuracy and drinking does cause problems in the brain. I mean, that's undeniable with fMRI scans and looking at the structure and the blood flow of the brain. So we're going to discuss all of that and let's start out with our Alcoholics Anonymous questions. So I have to pull those up. All right. I remember answering these questions and I was so angry. So it's, it's interesting to, um, return to these questions that you get when you look at the possibility of needing to recover. First of all, have you ever decided to stop drinking for a week or so, and then weren't able to make it that long? Yes or no. Do you wish people would mind their own business about your drinking and stop telling you what to do about your drinking? Have you ever switched from one kind of drink to another in the hope that it would keep you from getting drunk? Have you had to have a drink upon waking up during the past year? Do you envy people who can drink without getting into trouble? That's a definite yes for me. <laughs> I still have that envy. Like, oh, it'd be so nice, but that's okay. I'm, I'm living my best life now. Um, question six, have you had problems connected with drinking during the past year? And this can be anything from relationships to automobile accidents to even driving while you're intoxicated, even if you didn't get caught. Um, so think about that. Question seven is, has your drinking caused trouble at home? Do you ever try to get extra drinks at a party because you do not get enough? Do you tell yourself you can stop drinking anytime you want to, even though you keep getting drunk when you don't mean to? Have you missed days of work or school because of drinking? And I would say um, to make this more applicable to caretakers and, and full-time caretakers, have you missed days of being able to take care of those that you're in charge of, whether it's your children or your parents or whomever? Do you ever have blackouts? Have you ever felt that your life would be better if you did not drink? So those are the questions that when you start exploring Alcoholics Anonymous, they ask you to determine um, whether you have a drinking problem or not. 
And I am, we got those off aa.org. And there's so many free resources with Alcoholics Anonymous and the 12 steps. I just can't say enough about what a robust and amazing program it is for recovery. And with the pandemic, there have been a lot of online opportunities for meeting and community and sponsorship. So I just want to encourage that if you go onto their website and take that quiz and feel like you want to use their resources, they're amazing. So that's one end of the spectrum. Let's say that that doesn't, those questions don't necessarily apply to you that it's not really gotten to the point of having consequences at home or at work and you haven't um, been able to it's not you've been able to go for long periods of time without drinking what are some of the characteristics of being a problem drinker would you say lena as opposed well, to an alcoholic Right. <clears throat> we, um, the DSM-5, which is the diagnostic manual that the world uses for mental um, diagnosing, distinguishes between um, an addiction and an abuse. And so there are um, abuse diagnose diagnoses, and then there are addiction diagnoses. And the, the um, difference is that the addiction is something that is really, we experience as uncontrollable, that we, despite, it, for me, it, for me, it's ice cream. Um, I, I've never drank alcohol because I was really afraid of getting addicted. So, um, so I have other addictions, but is, is, are we using it in a way that's causing us harm ultimately? Do we need to increase um, the use because we've developed a tolerance. Do we? Um, that's those are the some of the addiction questions. The abuse questions are: Am I using this to cope? Am I um, giving myself permission to drink to getting drunk during my social situations? Am I um, relying on it? alcohol in order to get through a social situation. And so those can be some of the things that we look at in terms of abuse of alcohol or other, or any other substance. So that's how it's done diagnostically in America. Um, and I love that we're distinguishing between, do I have a problem with drinking? Am I an alcoholic? All of those different distinctions are important. What have you found is so, um, is so jarring for you in terms of trying to figure out some of your behaviors that maybe are more abusive versus addictive? Well, specifically with alcohol, because I have a lot of experience with this, um, <clears throat> the addictive tendencies um, we're pretty pronounced, you know, daily drinking, secretive drinking, um, symptoms of physical withdrawal, of very emotional withdrawal for sure, um, needing more and more. So that was the full-blown addiction, which then I was um, put into rehab and then lived in a halfway house and 
got a lot of help when I was quite young. Um, so I have had a couple relapses since I was 18 and the, I guess the challenge for someone like me is to understand the, the addiction is still there even when you go for 10 years without a drink. So, you know, one of my relapses was just so accidental. I, I mean, accidental is interesting. I guess I was not aware of the amount of stress I was under to the point that it, it seemed like an accident, like it came out of nowhere, but obviously emotionally I was not doing well. Um, but I don't go to bars and I don't hang around a lot of alcohol and I don't put myself in situations where I'm feeling really um, vulnerable, like I, I want to have a drink. Uh, but my husband brought home a bottle of wine that a colleague had given him for a gift. And we cook with um, non-alcoholic wine quite a bit. And so... He, he said, well, we'll just put it in the cupboard and we'll use it for roasts or, you know, cooking. And he went to bed that night and I laid in bed and I thought I couldn't sleep. I, I have quite a bit of insomnia and I thought, oh, I should go take, um, you know, an over-the-counter sleeping medicine. And then immediately my mind said, or just have a glass of wine. There's no difference. I mean, what's the difference? And so it was that justification. And of course, so I sneak downstairs when everyone's asleep and drink the entire bottle, of course, and then realize, you know, I had just blown, you know, 15 years of sobriety. So it was a little devastating um, to realize that those addictive tendencies are, are still right there. And <clears throat> so that was my experience. Um, I did go wake up my husband. <laughs> And I wanted to like tell someone right away because I was so afraid if I kept it a secret, I would keep drinking. Um, and of course he was amazing and wonderful. And, um, and, and that's the last time I've had a drink, um, which I think that was 10 or 11 years ago. So it's, so I've got some, some more good sobriety under my belt now. Um, but the other process for me is, um, and unfortunately I don't have this ability because I am an addict, but what I see with my loved ones and my friends are um, not a full-blown addiction, but a sense of over-drinking. So much like I'm going to the refrigerator more during the last two years to cope. You know, the kids are in bed, I'm exhausted, um, I finally get alone time at night and I deserve a reward or I just want to unwind, right? So I'm going to the refrigerator now, whereas if I was not an alcoholic, I would probably pour myself a glass of wine. And so <clears throat> the questions I've been getting from the people in my circle are, how do you know when it's becoming a problem? And I would say when you start wondering if it's a problem, that is, I believe, our internal voice and our internal sense of knowing just kind of nudging at us. You know, pay attention to this. Hey, you know, you already had a glass tonight. 
you've already had three glasses this week. What's going on? This is becoming more of your norm. And so pay attention because our inner voice is very, very wise. And I think when we're, when we're asking someone else's opinion, I mean, I learned this from years of going to therapy is often the therapist is reflecting back to me, you know, and what do you think and how do you feel? And I want someone to just tell me, no, you don't have a problem. No, your anger isn't a problem or no, your overeating isn't indicative of your trauma. Right. Because I already have those nudges. And so I would say if you're already wondering if you have a problem with drinking or an overusing of alcohol problem, because it's definitely different than being a full-blown alcoholic, that could be your first clue that your your own consciousness is giving you some self-awareness. Perhaps not, though. So let's just say that you're just, you know, maybe you grew up in an alcohol a home with a lot of alcohol use. And so you're highly attuned to that and sensitive. So maybe you are wondering, I would say if pre pandemic, you only had, you know, a glass of wine on a Friday night or a glass of wine with dinner or whatever it was for you, if that has increased at all during the last two years, check in with yourself. What am I avoiding? What feelings are really uncomfortable that I need to process? Why am I upping my alcohol consumption or for me, my food consumption? So we all are coping in different ways. No one is getting out of this unscathed. Our entire society has been, you know, shut down and restructured over the last two years. And as communal animals and as as um, humans, we need community to co-regulate. We need those mirror neurons to be activated and we need that connection. And so just that in and of itself is very disruptive. Um, I would also say that if you haven't been able to function the next day, at the level that um, you would like to. So when we have an emotional cost, there is going to be a lower ability to function. So the pandemic has made a lot of us feel kind of foggy, has caused more depression and anxiety. And so that in and of itself needs to be validated. If we add drinking on top of that, and we're noticing an even more difficult time on the days that we've had a drink the night before or a couple drinks the night before, then that's another clue. And again, this is all just noticing our patterns and not being hard on ourselves, but we're, we're, we're basically figuring out a puzzle. Do I have a problem? Do I not? Okay, so maybe I don't, but am I feeling happy with where I'm at with this particular habit? And that's a different question. So perhaps you don't have a problem, but perhaps you're not feeling like you're living in your value system where you typically for the you know whole adult life, you've only drank X, Y, or Z, and now you're drinking more. And when we're out of alignment of our core value system or our core belief system, that can be really painful. 
I love that distinction, Amy. I think that's really helpful. The idea that we are engaging in behavior that is outside of what we typically would consider um, representing our values. That's a great way of looking at it. Thank you. So there's no hard and fast rules about whether you're overusing alcohol. It's going to be a lot of trusting yourself. And if you have someone safe that you live with that truly knows you, and by safe, I mean emotionally um, <clears throat> able to reflect back to you in a way that is helpful, check in with them. That's another uh, possibility that you can check in with your loved ones. And I think that's what my friends do when they check in with me. How do I know? So maybe they're not asking their partner or their best friend, but they're asking someone they know has gone through this. <clears throat> Excuse me. That is really cool that you are able to be a resource to many people. And I think your transparency with your um, recovery has been uh, very beneficial for others. Um, we talk a lot about staying out of judgment towards ourselves and others. And the transparency around your journey, I think, um, helps other people understand that this isn't something that needs to be um, based in shame, that it's part of a human journey or a human condition. And then your, your thoughts about, is this outside where you, is this behavior outside where you would like to be and outside your value system? I think those are great ways to increase our awareness without any kind of judgment. Thank you. I was also thinking as you were speaking, um, <clears throat> one of the, the easier tests that someone could do is just omit alcohol for a set period of time and then check in and see how you feel. Are you more agitated? Are you which would be completely understandable, by the way. <laughs> so <laughs> I expect that you would be more agitated. And are you able to work through that agitation by going on a walk, by doing meditation, by doing tapping, body scans? Can you choose another mechanism? Um, but I do want to touch really quickly on some of the uh, work that Dr. Amen has done around alcohol and marijuana abuse and looking at brain scans of um, people who have even one drink a week. And there is um, a difference between a healthy brain and a brain of someone who drinks one glass of wine a week, which I think is really interesting because in popular culture and in a lot of um, popular health and Peer, even some peer-reviewed literature, you know, a glass of red wine is not considered harmful. And um, sometimes the literature even shows it can be beneficial. And so I think it, it really depends on what we're trying to maximize. And obviously, since Dr. Amen is a psychiatrist who specializes in brain scans and looking at the organism of the brain, he has a vested interest in teaching people how to maintain that brain 
in the healthiest way possible structurally and in terms of blood circulations uh, and tissue and so forth. So his, his work shows that even one drink a week causes your brain to be unhealthy. And so again, we all make choices, even, you know, eating, overeating is going to cause an unhealthy body. We all make choices and we have to kind of moderate those choices between, is this something I'm okay, okay with? And if it's a celebration and you're okay with it and you know that, you know, okay, this isn't the best for my brain and it's, but it's also probably not going to kill me to have a glass of wine. That's between you and you, right? (laughs) And that's part of like developing that inner sense of our alignment with our core values. I, I was thinking while you were talking, Amy, that um, it wraps up with a lot or it's connected to a lot of stuff that we've been talking about, um, you and I together over the last year. The idea that um, being present, alcohol can take us away from being present. Um, and it can be a relief. Um, the idea that our health is more than just how much I weigh, that's beautiful to also include. Um, being able to identify that we have the option of using informed um, choice or agency, as we've called it. So if I am consciously evaluating a choice and then I decide to then engage in that choice, that is done from a conscious standpoint, much more than a subconscious standpoint. And being able to identify that I do have a choice, that I don't don't automatically have to just reach for the ice cream or the bottle is a great way of thinking about our habits as well, is what do I do automatically and what can I do more mindfully? And how can that mindfulness and the evaluation or assessment of my behavior serve me in terms of um, engaging in adaptive behavior that allows me to grow and heal and thrive? Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for another great discussion and we will see you all next week. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you want to go deeper on this subject or any other subjects we've covered in the podcast, we are so excited to be launching our signature membership program at mendingtrauma.com. This is a trauma-informed mental health membership where we combine clinically effective practices, courses, and mentoring while putting you in the driver's seat. We teach you how to heal your trauma with the latest research combining mind, body, and spirit. We want to walk you through a healing journey while also empowering you. If you have felt this episode is helpful, we would absolutely love if you would go to Apple Podcasts 
podcasts or wherever you listen to your pods and give us a review. We'd also love it if you would share it with someone you think it might help. Tag us on social media at mendingtrauma.com or at Amy Hoyt PhD. We would love to reshare. And also, if there's anything we can do to help, we would love to hear from you. Email info at mendingtrauma.com. Give us your suggestions or topics you want to hear about. We would absolutely love to be of more service to you. We're so excited because we have so many good episodes coming up in season two, and we can't wait to go on this journey with you.